Daryl Etherington. Welcome to the TechCrunch podcast called Original Content. That's not how I usually do this, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing this week. We have Jordan Crook, who is laughing at me. Hey, Jordan. What's, what's up? Thanks for having me again. And also, Anthony Ha. There he is, Anthony Ha. The whole gang's together again. A new yeah, gang. I was being quiet because I wasn't gonna. I wasn't sure how you were gonna handle that intro. And, well, uh, you didn't handle it that well. <laughs> I think artfully <laughs> is how you describe that. Just it's great. It was really good. <laughs> Spontaneous. Uh, all right. So this is the podcast where we talk about uh, what's new in streaming, and also we review streaming content, original content. Hence the name of the thing. Uh, what do we got this week? What's new, Anthony? You're the news master. Tell us the news. Okay. Uh, well, I think the first thing which um, Jordan and I both covered was that Hulu sort of over the course of the weekend kind of revealed, gradually revealed the uh, premiere date of The Handmaid's Tale Season 2, which is going to be on April 25th. Um, this is also part of like the te- Television Critics Association weekend. So they made some other announcements. Um, I think the other big one is that um, George Clooney is making this show based on Joseph Heller's novel uh, Catch-22, and Hulu has picked that up. So that's going to be a six-episode limited series. So there's going to be some cool stuff coming on Hulu. Cool. Catch-22 as a series sounds difficult. I feel like it was episodic, as long as it's just a limited series, and then they stop. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the plan is to treat it as like, you know, a limited series kind of, you know. I mean, I guess some of these things that they said are limited series turn into not limited series, like Big Little Lies, but... Um, well, and like, I don't know yeah, if they I ever said the, the Handmaid's just, Tale, but like they continued beyond the fiction of the book, right? Like that's right. Handmaid's, right. yeah. Handmaid's Tale was like renewed like before the second week of the show airing. Like they, they were like, yeah, people like this. Let's just do it. But... I don't know, Catch-22, I honestly, I'm not even going to play. I didn't finish it. I got about like (laughs) 60% through and was like, I just don't care anymore. But I, it feels so, like, so inner thought based. I don't know, just as a show, it seems like it would be really hard to show and not tell a lot of what was going on. Yeah, maybe they'll have a lot of narrative, like narration, which would be bad. That's great. Yeah, why don't we just make <laughs> yeah. a? Why don't we start it with subtitles and end it with subtitles and have a lot of inner narration? It sounds like it's going to be awesome. It's yeah, because I mean, I think um, Mike Nichols made a movie uh, of the book in the early '70s, which I haven't seen, um, partly because it's, it's not considered to be a particularly good film. Um, because, like you said, it's not just that. I mean, a lot of it's interior, and a lot of it is also just about the language. So I think it just doesn't. You know, I think they're going to have to really. Uh, work really hard to try to figure out how to translate it. Um, but I, I, as I understand it, it is, it's not supposed to be like filling in or making up new stuff. It's just, it's six episodes adapting the book. Is George Clooney going to be in it or is he just running the project? He is. Um, he is <laughs> not playing the is. main character, but he's playing one of the other, the subsidiary characters. Because the main character is, you know, uh, younger than, than George Clooney is now, which I'm sure he <laughs> likes us bringing that up. I mean, they could have just digitally de-aged him. That would have been an interesting twist. I don't think George <laughs> Clooney cares do. at all what we think. <laughs> <laughs> Call George Clooney old. He won't hear about it. Yeah. He does Although I've heard that he's actually like a little like starting to get a little sensitive about it. And that's why yeah. like one of the reasons he wants to move more into directing rather than acting. But and He listens to podcasts all the time to make sure but nobody's he, talking George, about George, you are an incredibly good looking man. Um, so just don't let anyone, even when you're 85, I'm sure that's going to be true. 
So yeah. like ER just recently came on Netflix or Hulu, one of the two. Hulu. And yeah. um <laughs> I I used to love ER when I was like young, you know? And I was trying to get Maria to watch it. Maria's my girlfriend who's younger than me. And she <laughs> she was like, I don't want to watch this. This this looks dumb. And I was like, but it's George Clooney. And we were looking at the show preview. And she was like, I don't see George Clooney up there. And I was like, <laughs> it's that dude, the second one on the right. Like, he's right there. And she's like, that's not George Clooney. And I was like, this is 20 years ago, Maria. That was George <laughs> Clooney. That's what he looked like. Why do you think people are crazy about him? But yeah, anyway, that's my George Clooney. Although even then, he was like, he was like, prematurely gray right but he had like it looks so freaking good on him i think he looks better now to be honest but yeah he looks great is he like he uh, can't convincingly play like a world war ii so you know regular like a 20 year old world war ii soldier i don't think that, that but he's not like jeff goldblum right where jeff goldblum is actually far more attractive now than he ever was because he was never actually that attractive i think probably why george Clooney's getting a little sensitive is because i think he's like just going over the hump like he yeah. had like some golden years for the last decade or gray right. years, silver years, let's call them. And it's, I think it's coming to an end shortly. But yeah, your time is let's up. Not, let's not judge people. <laughs> I shouldn't be judging people based on their beauty amidst the this, feminist this is revolution. One of those weird so. I feel like normally you can't get away with it. I think maybe we didn't get away with it here and we're being jerks anyway, but you can you feel okay because it's like, these guys who are like so good looking that you're like, it's, it's okay. We can talk about this. Well, George yeah. Clooney has like everything. Like he's fine. Yeah. 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 I don't think he would mind again. Although so let's, let's sw- switch right. topics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's enough, enough right, his beauty. We're done. <laughs> All right. Handmaid's Tale season two. How, how are we feeling about that? I just watched the trailer for the first time. Cause we were going to talk about it. It looks crazy. It looks intense. There's a lot going on. Yeah, I'd like to freeze frame it, honestly. Maybe in the next episode of this, we could do a more thorough investigation into what we're looking at. Because, like, I'm pretty sure we're going to see the colonies. Yeah. Right. Right? That seems clear. So I'm excited about that because I still don't even really know what that means. Um, Other than it's very dangerous and people die there from, like, radiation and shit. But Or so they say. Yeah, maybe like it's it just, could a just scare be a tactic. fake threat, right? Yeah, yeah, but we don't. Maybe know. it's just like a farm because that's what it looks like partially. Um, I'm really excited. The Handmaid's Tale, I think, is probably, if not the best, like the top three shows that came out uh, in 2017. And I hope that they can carry on without Margaret Atwood at the helm. Now, does I mean, she, not that she ran the show, but like the, the book's over essentially. Right. Has she said anything about this and about them deciding to continue on? Is she like in favor or against or anything? Does anybody I mean, know? I think I the know. only thing they've said is that like, she's, you know, I don't think she's like given a lot of interviews about it, probably cause she's like involved in some other controversies right now. Right. right. Um, but like, uh, I think that the Bruce Miller, who's the showrunner, um, he's said like, he's like consulting with her, um, as, as he's writing the second season. Um, now that can mean a lot of different things. It could be like he sent her like his scripts and she was like, this is terrible. And he's like, well, too bad. This is what we're going with. Yeah. Um, Consulted. But I mean, she is involved in, on some level. Yeah. I wonder if she has put any thought into it. I'm always curious about that with people who make these kinds of worlds or whatever. Like there's some authors who just obviously put a lot of thought into it. And that comes out when they make a million books about it. Like I I'm reading the Expanse series right now is a good example, and it's on book seven, and it's 
getting a little ridiculous, frankly. But uh, like with something like that, like do you think she thought about it beyond that, or was she just like, oh, here we go, I'm done, my story's done, I'm done telling it? I'm sure. She, I'm sure she thought about it a lot. Like I, you know, I, I mean, what do I know? Because I'm not even a good writer. But like I, I remember in classes, like I took you know create a bunch of creative writing classes, and like the the one of the big rules was like let yourself know more than they do so like good writers show restraint in the worlds they create and the rules they create and the information that they have versus what the reader has so i'm sure there's like a lot about this world that she knows that we don't know and hopefully the showrunners do know that but they've also like put their own twists on a lot of it obviously because they've updated it to not be so racist and etc right they also well, uh, added a. There was the resist thing in the trailer, right? So they are really hammering the contemporary tie-ins more so even than in season one. Well, and I think the season one stuff, like, not that it was purely coincidental, but like they got some hell of a timing on that. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was, it was all so, made before the election. It or, was made well, before the election. I mean, maybe they and, caused it. The election. <laughs> it's a good promotional strategy to ruin America. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, they're they're probably going to be helping like they're probably helping the Democratic Party right now if anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this time around it, they'll fix America and that'll be the promotional strategy. <laughs> Thanks, Hulu. <laughs> Thanks we can't get in trouble for no, like allegedly, allegedly. No. <laughs> Wait. I don't what are you saying? <laughs> I just don't want anyone to believe that, that we're actually accusing them of having ruined America by fixing it. To be clear, you are making all the accusations. It's all of no us in we. this together. <laughs> There's no we here. Daryl, the Canadian, is alleging a lot of insane stuff. Yeah. Anyways. anyways, I'm excited about Handmaid's Tale. I'm really excited. Yeah. It's going to come uh, 16 days after my birthday. So oh, well, we all know when that is. Present. So you know. Well, now you coming. do. April twenty fifth. Right. Yes. There it is. I expect a happy birthday tweet from every listener of this podcast. Put it in your calendar. It's only three months away. Uh, yeah. But, just schedule it on one of those. You know, on on one of your social management systems. Anthony, did you like this? The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I liked it a lot. I think it's a really great show. But the new one, like um, I. I'm a little bit, I don't know. I feel like they, it could really go bad, but yeah, I think there's something to that. And I mean, I think to, to one of your points you were asking about, did, did Margaret Atwood think ahead about this? And I mean, um, I think it's true that she probably knows a lot of stuff and has a lot of ideas that aren't in the book. But I think, I think one of the things that you, you start to see, um, when, uh, and especially I think when the book came out, which was in the eighties, I think Margaret, she Atwood was much more of like a literary writer. I mean, she still is, but she's written things that are kind of more science, many other novels that are more science fictional. And I think one of the things that the difference is, is usually people who kind of come from the science fiction world, world tend to focus more on the world building. And I think, and this, this is all a radical simplification, but essentially I think like somebody like Atwood, I think tends to focus more on like characters and language and the sort of the political point that she was trying to make. And, and telling one singular story. Um, so it, it, I, I suspect that, that they're probably really kind of just creating this on their own. Maybe that she has a few random ideas, but fundamentally it's, you know, Bruce Miller, 
taking you know what what was there and trying to extrapolate from it. I, I don't think I think it's really going to be his um, you know his vision you know from from now on. Well, and it's probably like a lot has to do with how long they. If they are going to try to do this thing where they put it up for as many seasons as possible, it will go bad really quickly. Um, but if they have like a an arc in mind for like four seasons or five seasons where they can really tread the line between like the conflict of this revolution, then it can be really good. And like exploring the world and like kind of what it's become outside of Offred's little bubble of it. You know, then I think that that'll be really interesting. Like, I like the the idea of, like, the global effects. Like, when uh, in last season, you know, he fled to Canada, I think, and yeah. um, other countries were going to start, like, implementing the system and stuff like that. Oh, like, Mexico came up, right, with their... Yeah, like, I think that stuff will be interesting to, like, get into more detail on and see how, how it goes on a grander scale. Yeah. Yeah, although I hope they don't go too broad, because then I feel like you could fall into the trap of having like something a little bit unwieldy, like a Game of Thrones situation where you've got all these stories and you're trying to like. Well, and I don't think it's built for that. I think it'll no. always be like June's story at the center of it. I find myself like calling her Offred and being like, "That's not her name," you know? <laughs> right, but <laughs> her name is June. I, I think it's like even in the posts, right? I think uh, at least that's in true. The I wrote the post as. <laughs> Because I didn't want to, because I mean, that's almost like a revelation in the first season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a spoiler. Well, it's at the end of the first episode, like. Oh, yeah, but you don't want to ruin that for people. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. No, but I think that there is a recognition, right? Like people probably, it took me a minute to be like, who are you talking about? But because they refer to her as Alfred so often in the series and not as June, right? Well, it's almost, it's like the thing when, like, you talk about Game of Thrones and, and you say Daenerys instead of, like, Khaleesi, and some people are like, what are you talking about? Right, like, yeah. And it's just, like, the informal name that's kind of what people think of now. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I didn't think about it when I wrote that post, so, like, that I'm just bullshitting now. <laughs> 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 uh, I think th- there's, like, it's just, like, there are some recent examples of stuff that has happened that's cool too when you take a creative property that is the source material and then go beyond it. Like The Leftovers is the example that comes to mind, right? Like the yeah. book was the first season and then yeah, I I think that show probably got better over time and you know, maybe with the exception of the fourth season depending on Yeah, it depends on how you feel about that ending. It was yeah. very like uh lost-esque. <laughs> like Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like did you just was the important thing the question and not the answer? Because I'm not okay with that. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> Although, to be fair, like, the difference is that with... Uh, now we're getting really far afield. But, like, <laughs> with The Leftovers, every interview that Damon Lindelof did when that show was starting was he said, I'm not going to explain anything. Yeah. Do not expect... Like, like, if you go into this expecting any explanations, you were watching the wrong show, do not watch this show. Yeah. Yeah, he learned from his lost experience. And he was like, there's no grand scheme. This is just, like... Like go, yeah. Go it's with, art, okay. Yeah, it's art. It's art, man. <laughs> I have Maria watching Lost right now too. She hates it. I mean, she loves it. She's like addicted to it, but she gets mad at the end of every episode when it's like, boom, Lost. She's yeah. like, what the hell? <laughs> it's it was frustrating, but super fun to watch too. At the same time, I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Probably. Yeah, watching it, it again is actually, I think, more fun. 
because you like know everything there is to know and you just get to watch someone else struggle. I think I'll just watch Ant-Man and the Wasp and that'll be fine. <laughs> All right, what's yeah, our next contained. news? <laughs> All right, so should we um <laughs> Uh, I think there were, the next thing we wanted to talk about was uh, this new a trailer for a new show uh, on Netflix called Everything Sucks. Yeah, which I don't. We haven't heard much about. No. Yeah. What's the deal? What is it? It's a dramedy. A horrible word, but uh, yeah, it's like, and I think it just stars a bunch of like teens pretending that they're teens in 1990s instead of teens now. But mm. it's like a high school like love comedy show type thing and like that james franco show what was it it's like embarrassing that i can't remember the name right now maybe (laughs) or more like what are the richard linklater movies uh Uh, dazed and confused dazed and confused and then the other one richmond fast fast times no 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 everything it's also called everything something isn't it uh school not school of rock that's something totally different. <laughs> that's <laughs> definitely not School of Rock. <laughs> uh, shit. Oh, my God. Everybody Wants Some. The recent one, With right? two exclamation Everybody marks. Wants Some or something like that. Yeah, that's what it is. Everybody so, Wants Some, two exclamation marks. Yeah, very key. But it, like they remind me of that because this has one exclamation marks, but it's also every. There's a construction similarity, right? But then there's also like a premise similarity because that was like... Oh, remember the 80s? Or was it the 80s? Whatever year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember the 80s? Thanks for breaking that down, man. Here's some high school 80s. Oh, what a time. And which is the same as Days and Confused, right? Except a different right. decade. But I forget what it was. Although, although I think Everything Sucks, it looks like it's supposed to be more 90s, right? Because they're playing Ever, like a, an Everclear song, which is like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, and the, I mean, that's it's like a new, a new decade, obviously. But it seems yeah. to be sort of similar in spirit to some of that stuff. Uh, yeah. Although it hits it really hard. Like, it hits those notes. Like, that's what... The trailer drove me nuts. And I think it comes through in my post, which yeah. is pretty dismissive. I mean, you couldn't bring yourself to write more than, like, <laughs> two angry sentences about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, in your post, you used an acronym that I don't know. What is YMMV? Oh, your mileage may vary. I don't oh. know if that's a cool thing or... <laughs> Like, that's a thing people say. You don't, you don't don't apologize for that. Good, I won't. Never. Oh my god, is there anybody famous in this Everything Sucks thing? Not not based on the trailer. It looked like it was just a bunch of bunch of noobs. Ingenues. Uh, right. Is that a well, and term? I think part of the reason you were angry about it is like the feeling that that Netflix in particular has turned into this place where they just mind. They're just like, hey, remember this thing you liked? Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. some more of it. It's literally everything now. It's like the what? Is, what just came on the TV? Like the toys from your youth documentary. Uh, did you see that? Where they just have a documentary? Like every episode is like some toy you remember, like GI Joe. No, no. Oh, oh god, and Barbie, and then like it's everything. They're just like hitting that so hard, and it's like less about them hitting that that hard, and then more about like me being depressed. That like, are we susceptible to this? Like, is this what we are? And I guess it I happens for every generation, but there's you know. probably like hardcore data scientists who are like people in this age range are like more depressed. I mean, not everyone, I guess, but like given the current climate, I think like nostalgia is like 
particularly effective right now. Oh, you mean like because it's this like this this escapism, but like the to a better time sort of escapism. Is that what it is? Yeah, because like I mean, you can <clears throat> watch these shows, right? Like House of Cards to me was like so much better before Trump, and then even when after Trump got elected in this most recent season, and this is before Kevin Spacey stuff happened, like. I was happy he was president in my TV, that Kevin Spacey was president. You know what I mean? I was like, even this corrupt dude, like, I feel safer <laughs> just watching. Like, it's right. some form of escapism. Right. He's yeah. evil, like, but he's good at it. Yeah. Like, and you can watch these shows, like, Ozark is a good example. Like, Ozark is dark, you know? Like, but at least it wasn't, like, the real world. And then you can translate that from, like, oh, this, like, lightweight show about 90s high school like that's even better you know what i mean like i think yeah. they're just like remove people from the real world because it's all uphill as long as you're not here in reality with us yeah Although I, I, one of the interesting things was like um like i think about a year ago i got to interview um joe dante uh the director of like gremlins um and inner space like for TechCrunch, and like i was asking him about this nostalgia thing and he said that you know the funny thing was in the 80s there was also this trend in pop culture of being really obsessed with and nostalgic for the 50s. Yeah, yeah. And and so it's not like this is like a totally new thing, but I think like something about the way that, that it feels like, especially with these sort of streaming services that have all this data about us, it just feels very cynical. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think that it's more, it's like less subtle and more, it's less like a period piece film that you would see and more like, I mean, they literally used the pop-up video format, and it it felt very much like that. It was like, remember this? Here's this thing. Here's this. Like, I think the problem with it is that it's just not as natural as it used to be. Like, it used to, like, it's not like the culture is pushing towards this nostalgia. It's like some researchers at like Netflix are going, "Oh, I bet people would feel good thinking about the '90s. Let's like come out with a bunch of stuff about the '90s and the '80s." As yeah. opposed to picking up on some trend that already exists. You know what I mean? Yeah, or just using it as like a creative background for something, like a like a way to tell a story that's going to resonate with an audience rather than like, oh, let's do this because people want to tune in and look at the light bright or whatever. Light brights are from the 90s. Whatever they had in there, I forget. The Discman. You don't, you don't remember the 90s at all, do you, Daryl? Uh, I mean, I, the truth is that I'm far older than I appear. And so... <laughs> And the 90s you did a lot just, of drugs in the yeah, 90s. Drugs, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I I mean, yeah, I I, I think so too. I think I mean maybe it's just the trailer, right? Maybe the trailer is the cynical thing, and then if we see the actual show, it'll be much more naturally kind of like woven in. But I don't know. Even reading it, I I didn't really <laughs> so when I saw that trailer, I didn't like know anything about the show. It's just like, look at this garbage. And also <laughs> I think I was in a bad mood generally, but it, I can tell from the <laughs> from the post from the four line post. Uh, but if you look at if I look at some of the other stuff about this, like from when it got picked up, like um, some of the people behind it are all right. There's a some fringe folks there, uh, an alias, like the producers, I think. Um, and then it's the premise is like. And, and there's a lot of actual children in this. So then I feel bad too because it's like. They're not like 26-year-olds playing teens or whatever. It's like the uh, people who are the actual age of the people they're playing. Uh, so, and it's, 
described as a quirky, funny coming-of-age story. So, I don't know. Maybe it'll be fine, light, fair. Wow. Everything you said sounded good until you said quirky, funny coming-of-age story. And then my interest just... I know. And that's... I'm using uh, the Hollywood Reporter's words. Like, they're, they're not quoting, like, the tagline or anything. That was their descriptive term for it. But uh, I don't know. They haven't seen it. So, they must have been getting that from somewhere. Maybe they have seen it. Maybe they have. This was like when it got picked up, though, so I don't think it existed. Still, no, I'm just kidding. So, okay, <laughs> everything sucks. That's obvious. What what's our what's our next news piece? Unless other people, Anthony, do you have more thoughts? Anthony, on, are you gonna no? watch it? Uh, I mean, I think we're uh, we're gonna force ourselves to watch it, aren't we? Damn it, our Probably. curse. We're forced to watch all of this crap. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, it's hard for me because I got to make time for this, and I have to watch four weddings marathons a lot, right? And that's there's hours of four weddings that I haven't seen yet, which you guys we have to talk wait, about what? the Bachelor too, Daryl. I, I haven't watched the season because I find him so personally distasteful that I cannot watch this. Eli, Dude, he's like the most lovable Ari, and Ari. the most hateable Bachelor I've ever seen. You got to watch the season though; it's super good. We'll talk about it later. All right, all right, uh, all right. So I think the last piece of news we wanted to talk about was. You know, last year it was announced that David Letterman was going to be returning to television in the form of a Netflix show, and it wasn't going to be sort of like a traditional in the talk form show. of Voltron. <laughs> I thought you were going to go somewhere so cool with in the form of. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> and then he put on a robot suit. I mean, you haven't seen it, so you don't know. It could um, be a giant dinosaur or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, last Friday. Uh, the first episode hit, which is uh, of this show, is called "My Next Guest Needs No Introduction" with David Letterman, and uh, he really he really brought out the big guns for the first episode. He he had an interview with uh, Barack Obama. Yeah. So you said it's not like a regular talk show. Like, what is it? Is it not a live audience? There is a live audience. Um, oh, there one, is. Actually, I didn't realize there was a studio audience. Yeah, but he it's the interview goes for the full hour. Well. Is like it, there's not like bits, right? It's basically mostly just this conversation between two guys, much looser and like less, you know, edited. I think. I mean, I'm sure there was editing, but like it has a very different. It like feels much more relaxed and casual than like a normal. Is Paul um, there? What is Paul there? No, Paul, and Paul was not there. There's no band. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's no monologue, like, like stuff like. And that. they actually, and then he like recorded this other segment that's like not meant to be like funny at all, where he's just is walking across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma with, with, John, with Congressman John Lewis, and they're just talking about, like, Barack Obama's, like, importance in politics. So it's, like, this melding between, like, and it's shot instead of, like, a talk show. It's more like, you know, if you've seen, like, a comedy special or something like that or, like, a documentary about, like, a concert, like, it just has a really different feeling to it than, than a talk show. It's not, like, just trying to, like, keep you entertained all the time. It's, it's, it's a much looser thing. Is, that Is it, the... like... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. oh <laughs> Is that the Uh-oh. setup? Like, is that like, is it, uh, wait, is the, is the interview with the congressman like the intro or is it woven? No, it's like, it? in, it's like, like, like 20 or 30 minutes into it. They oh. just like take a break and watch this segment. Huh. Interesting. That's a good way to break it up. Cause I was looking at it. Yeah. I didn't watch this to be quite honest, but I was like, part of the reason I didn't watch it is cause, oh, it's an hour conversation with one person. Even if that person is Obama. I just it seems like a long time for somebody to talk to somebody. We talk to yeah, each other. I mean, for that's, I mean, I mean, that's why it's not like a talk show. 
<laughs> and it feels fucking long. <laughs> um, no, I. So my big question with this is like how these like late night slash talk show comedy esque type things do on streaming because like Chelsea's show, I don't think did very well. It did um, not. It was canceled. Got canceled. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like there there's like a lack of urgency. There's something about these nightly shows where like if you missed it, like you missed it because that day's news is over. And the only person I think that does a really good job of this uh, right now is John Oliver with Last Week Tonight. Like you could go and watch like four episodes of Last Week Tonight over the last month. And some of it might not be like perfectly timely, but for the most part, like the main segments are pretty evergreen. Um, yeah. And you don't mind like that you didn't see it or you don't mind kind of binging it even. Whereas most late night and like talk show type stuff is like, you got to see it live. You got to see it when it happens or it's kind of falls by the wayside and then it loses its urgency. And then do you want to go back and watch like six in a row? Like, yeah. So I'm so curious that's about how other all of this happens. Is this was shot like I think in the fall. So it's not like something where they're just talking about like the Trump gets, I mean, I think he gets mentioned a bit in the, in the John Lewis segment, but like with Obama, probably, probably because Obama like, you know, doesn't want to talk about him directly. Like, like there, there's very little, like, it's not really about like what happened that day. I mean, there's, there's just, it's political, but it's not about what happened that week in politics. So I think it's something that potentially, I think it's meant to be like less timely than, um, and, and, and more like, you know, pretend, I hate this phrase, but like more kind of like evergreen mm-hmm. than, than like what you'd see on a you talk show. You hate the phrase I just used? Thank you, Anthony. <laughs> Did you Appreciate say, yeah. that. Also, I... I, I think, hate both of us, Jordan. Both of us. <laughs> an hour-long interview actually makes sense for it to not have to be so timely and for it to be evergreen because um, like, you know, you can talk about all kinds of stuff. And really, like, dig deep. Like, I I think our interviews need to be longer on stage when we do stuff because you can't get into anything. But I, I like yeah. that. Well, I'm excited. Well, I think also, yeah, I mean, not to get – I think we should probably have a broader range where we have some shorter ones and some longer ones. But we can talk about that another time. Yeah. I I, I mean, I, it's, it is an interesting idea. I think that I'll probably give it a try at some point. It just, uh, it just was like, oh, that looks like work. Uh, when I saw it, but so the, again, the two other things I will say about it is one is I think Letterman sort of was pretty checked out towards the end of his time on TV. Oh, and I he, thought you meant towards the end of the like, interview. Like he was like, oh, it's been an hour. Like, he's like this. so bored of Barack Obama. <laughs> <laughs> the same guy's still no, here. He's like all, he's all like, he's, you know, engaged and like open and like funny in a way that I think he hasn't been in a long time. Well, he has, he doesn't have to really do all the other mugging, right? Like he can just do what he right. wants to do presumably right there's no restraint um the other great thing is apparently i think the audience didn't know who he was going to interview they just said they just knew it was going to be his show and so there's this moment where barack obama walks out on stage and everyone suddenly realizes who it is and they just go like batshit insane and it's like so much fun and like i don't know it's just like a cool thing to watch how well, many like, people do you think are there can you tell or a round number like a few hundred like a, it's a relatively small space okay the other thing, too, is, like, touching on what we talked about earlier with, like, escapism and stuff. Like, I think there's two groups of people right now. Like, one group that's, like, super ravenous for as much kind of current event, like, 
information that they can get. Like you just have to read the news because you feel like you have to know what's going on because nobody else knows what the hell they're doing. And one group that's like totally wants to escape. And I feel like, I don't know who, who are his next guests going to be? Do you know? Uh, he, um, I'm trying to remember now. Yeah. Uh, George Clooney is definitely going to be one of them. Yeah. Uh, shit. There is a list somewhere. Let's like do as it. nice Furious as it is Googling. to see Obama, I feel like it's kind of like the opposite of escapism because you're just like, oh, you're right in there. I miss well, you. Well, it's a different kind of escapism, I think, because it's still like, hey, remember this? Jay Z, like, you know, Tina Fey, Malala, you uh, I don't know how to say oh her last God. name. Oh my God! But you know, I would who watch I'm an hour-long interview with Tina Fey every yeah. day for the rest of my life and be okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it seems like it's going to range, but I I bet all of them the majority of them are going to like none of them are going to be light fair, I don't think. Yeah. So, yeah, I I guess that's the whole season. It based on the what I'm looking at now, it's going to be these what is it? Five? Five guests? Five more. Yeah, so it's six, I think six total. Oh, six total. Okay. That's or cool. Episodes, I like that. So. Like quality over quantity the bookers on that show have to be like it's, insane maybe it's just him He's just, <laughs> yeah, like probably just david letterman and his iphone <laughs> right <laughs> well i imagine also once you've got obama you're like listen we're only doing six episodes the first guest is obama do you want to do it uh, <laughs> okay, sure uh, yeah right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> got like b-list celebrities all over hollywood being like you got to get me on david letterman's new show <laughs> yeah it's like our show basically the same this yeah one. i mean i like whined and cried to get on this show it took a year so thanks guys yeah <laughs> but now that we got you we can get everybody that's right <laughs> well it's I'm funny because it's the same it's like you content. have to imagine that we see so much dumb shit where people clearly have no idea what we do on the show or have no idea what we write about on tech crunch and they still like try to get on um and you can imagine <laughs> yes. some like idiot celebrity pr person who's just like yeah we can get on the david letterman show why not why we can do it we can do it and, and like not understanding that um probably it's not. not what it once was or whatever or like or just i mean no 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 just that like no you don't understand it's six guests and they're all super yeah, yeah. and they're set they're out and they're w- like world leaders so sorry uh oh, i'm trying to think of who it would be it would be w- what's world leaders from, like tina fey from joe dirt well, she's kind of a world leader. <laughs> Kevin Spade? Is that what his name is? Kevin uh, <laughs> Spade. So Who I kind of like. That's perfect. Great. It's perfect that you were like, didn't even is remember his name. Is that even his, his name? name? No, it's David, David Spade. Spade. Oh. <laughs> Wait, what did you say? Kevin Spade. I knew it Spade. was kind of wrong. I knew it was kind of wrong. Okay. No, I do too, because what did I see him in recently where he was actually really good? Oh, it was um, Maria Bamford's show, which is very sad that that got canceled also. I'm pretty uh, excited about that... Uh, Versace thing too I don't know why that made me think of it but it looked kind of good I saw a thing about it and it looked kind of good I'll give you that what about sorry no we're not gonna go this way I was about to just like start I keep doing it too naming things like oh what about this show (laughs) (laughs) Uh, because I okay but seriously the Poke King I saw the trailer to that by accident the other day it's like a netflix original <laughs> oh, starring jack, jack black jack black i think that's on netflix already yeah it so, is you know yeah. but that looks super weird it's got jenny slade in it too uh and also jason Schwartzman. and it's like based on a true story i saw a tweet from netflix with a gif 
for that. Yeah. And I've already given up. Well, my whole thing was like I saw it came up in my like recommended and it was Jack Black. And I was immediately like, no, never, ever, ever, ever. No, this is bad. You don't but like then Jack I saw, Black? Oh, I hate him. And then Jenny Slate and Jason Schwartzman were in it. And it was like, what? Why? Why? Why have you done this to me, Netflix? Now I want to watch this. Netflix is really screwing with you lately. I think that they're just doing this out of cruelty. They're just combining <laughs> these people who I hate and then also like. But they then they just listen to the podcast and then like have a they're dossier getting back at on you, you, for you said, and they're yeah. like, I know. Let's my figure Seinfeld out the spring season. They're really getting back at me for my Seinfeld hate too, because his <laughs> stupid mug is everywhere in my Netflix queue, and it's like, no, I don't want to see anything with him ever. Can be, look at him leaning out the window of his stupid car. Like what you right hate now. doesn't even count for anything because like <laughs> it's just the list is too long. Like things you don't hate are more interesting, but that still doesn't count for anything because you just lean so much toward this taste for things. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess so. I lean towards expressing distaste for things. I guess. <laughs> Speaking of, what did you think of? Uh, of the show we're supposed to talk about. Why can't Wait, I Wait, make a it? clear break. And then when I... Because I got to add a chapter marker. You guys didn't do the chapter <laughs> markers last week. We'll talk about I gotta that I got to make later. a clear break. <laughs> I don't know how to do chapter markers <laughs> when I edit the show, Daryl. I'm sorry. I'm Quote. sorry. Is this clear enough? I don't know. How do you... Do you want me to clap? Now now we, we'll talk about our review for the week. <laughs> Anthony, what are we <laughs> looking at this week? <laughs> so why, Daryl, this week we're reviewing... Um, Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams, which is a show, an anthology series on Amazon. Um, I think it was on, it actually aired in the UK first. Um, yeah, on four, uh, which is Yeah, partly, not all the episodes, just some of them. This, they're, it's in progress, so they're, they're doing them in a different order than Amazon presented them, and some haven't yet to air, so it's right. ongoing. Right. Um, and it, and it also in Canada on space, so which is why we, we'll get to this, but there was some confusion between... Yeah, so this is going to be an extra good episode because we thought we were going to just all watch like the first few and then people could go on if they wanted to. Um, But it turns out that Daryl's order is different from our order because, again, he is in Canada. And so we've all seen very different episodes. So, Anthony, you saw all of them. I saw all of them. I saw the first three in America. But you got to remember their names. Autofact and Kinez. Yeah. Human is, autofact, and what was the first one called, Anthony? Real life. Real life, yeah. Mm. Ugh. So I'm one um, for three on you guys. Which ones did you see, Daryl? I saw The Hood Maker, Impossible no. Planet, about no. half of the computer or the commuter, and then also autofact. Okay. So why don't we start with autofact since we've all seen it? That seems like a sensible that thing to do. One. Do you want to do or like I guess overall thoughts, right? Yeah, and no spoilers. Overall thoughts first. Overall thoughts, no spoilers. Yes. Good. Okay, I can start. I think it is uh intriguing. I really enjoyed watching it, but I did find that like in the three episodes I watched, if everything felt a little over the top. And I haven't read Philip K. Dick's work. So I don't know if that's like, you know, a callback to him or something like that. His stories were really over the top, but just like everything from like the clothes to, you know, kind of the even the plot, like the kind of reveal or the twist at the end just felt like very like 
not so subtle, like not handled cautiously, I guess. Right. Like a bit of, uh, yeah, I, I know what you're saying too. Kind of cartoonish or it, it felt well, maybe a like different. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought, and this is, <laughs> I'm going to compare it to something else that I haven't seen. Uh, because like I haven't read <laughs> Philip K. Dick either, but I also felt like maybe it was a bit like Doctor Who, but I haven't seen Doctor Who, so I don't know. Cool, Anthony. Good input. <laughs> well, speaking as someone who's watched a lot of Doctor Who and read a lot of Philip K. Dick, not um, just read, you could don't. I've, be... I've taught a class on Philip, yeah. a college class on Philip K. Dick. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. That there's something kind of cartoonish about. I mean, both the plots, and then also I think. Um, cause I mean, you know, especially cause these are based on his short stories, which tended to be written when he was earlier in his career. And, and they're just kind of like his short stories tend to be like, have kind of one crazy idea and not necessarily be great stories. Um, and then I think the other thing is just because, you know, I think inevitably you have to compare it to black mirror because it's kind of the big science fiction anthology show right now. And this is much more, you know, like I think it has a lot more range um, which I think has some good aspects where... Yeah, it's not as one note of like, oh, this yeah. bad thing. You, you can't as easily sum it up as like technology, but bad, right? Which is the joke. Right, right. Black Mirror. Um, but I, which to we be talked fair, about I think on. Black Mirror season four is not so one-dimensional yes. as earlier seasons. So yeah, Black Mirror is getting a little out of that. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, but I think that um, it, it is like it has... This one has sort of more space opera and crazy aliens and... Stuff like that. It's not. It's it's less. I mean, there are a few episodes that I think are are interested in exploring genuinely and exploring, you know, ramifications of real world technology. But for the most part, that's really not what the show is about. It's more just about like crazy science fiction concepts, you know, told in the span of an hour. Yeah, I thought sometimes I feel like they're like it is that uh, because of the source material, but then they're trying to shoehorn a black feel or a black. What's it called again? Black Black Mirror, mirror type vibe on top of it. <laughs> I can't remember wow. the names of anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and they and there's like a weird disconnect. I think that with, with the episodes that I saw where I felt like it didn't work, that was what was going on, or partly at least. What oh, yeah, I think that. I mean, because it's weird because we I um like if you look at the, the I haven't. I haven't read all of the. I've actually only read a handful of these stories. They're not actually. Wait a minute. Famous. Wait a minute. Anthony, you taught a college course. Liar. Um, You're a liar. Yeah, he's so, written okay, nearly 200 short stories. <laughs> he has. When the show was first announced, <laughs> I was trying to go through and figure out, like, what Philip K. Dick is best known for. And, like, there are literally just, like, lists of, like, hundreds of short stories and books. And I was like, I... Right. I just there, had to there put was the a list year in. he released four novels. Like he's he wrote, he wrote a lot. You could have read those, um, and you these are not his most famous short stories. Um, <laughs> he can write them in and, one year. You should be able to read them, yeah, Anthony. Come on, now. <laughs> I hope I uh, hope nobody I think, failed like, they, your course because it would I be. I think he, <laughs> what the, one of the things that I think is going on here is that like basically the you know the Philip K. Dick estate they probably got like the, there's like the books which they want to sell either, you know, as, as TV shows or as movies, you know, on their own. And there's, I think, probably a handful of short stories that they're still hoping to sell. Um, well, they're so probably also hoping this will become a multi-season thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, I think there's still a but like, into. That, like uh, you know, I, I talked about this with, with my friend uh, Alice, who, who was the person who taught the class with me, and both of us were just kind of like, what are these stories? Like, what the hell? <laughs> Did she read um, the so other think, half of the stories? 
Is that how you did it? I think they're like really, they're not, let's, they're not (laughs) top tier full of K-Dex stories. And I think basically what happened is they, so they basically gave people the story and they're like, hey, like whatever you think of after you read the story, go with it. Why not? Like, so like one, one good example, and, and I think this is actually an episode that I actually liked is um, there's an episode, there's a story called Foster Your Dead, which I have actually read, and it's basically about, like, um, bo- like nuclear bomb shelters and, and becoming obsessed with nuclear bomb shelters. Mm. And they turned it into this episode, Safe and Sound, um, which is about, like, paranoia about terrorism. And there's, like, almost nothing in common with the plot. But you can kind of see how, like, somebody who had read that 50s short story would say, oh, this is how you would tell a similar story in, you know, 20, 2018. Oh, so there's a lot of liberty taken. Like oh, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, because, yeah, like, when was he, like, real big? Like, some of this stuff seems like even... I mean, I know it's science science fiction, but, like, I guess it's more timely now. Yeah, I mean, he... I mean, I so he first started writing, and all of these stories that, that these episodes are based on were written in the 50s. Mm, okay. um, and then he continued writing in the 60s and 70s, and, I mean, I think his best work is the novels he wrote in the 60s. But but this is all from like yeah the really early period when he was just cranking out a crazy amount of short stories. Because that's like yeah. I, I don't know if you're getting at this one specifically, but the Autofac one feels very much like Amazon, right? And like, yeah, no shit, dude. How would, like, how would you write that if you like if you were not if that entity did not exist, right? So I don't know what that looks. Although it's like. funny, actually, Autofac that that story is um, it has a, this factory that just keeps producing. Um, that and, and these robots that just won't listen to the people who are like, you need to stop producing stuff. That that concept is the same. All the stuff that happens in the end of Autofact is stuff they completely made up on their own, and which I really liked. Hmm. But was it I about like the too. consumerism too, like in the original? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Yeah. Because you know, I, I think like the fifties were, were a period where people were, you know, there was a big uptick in consumerism and also a lot of concern about that. Yeah. Wow, oh, we're so predictable. Humanity. Right. Yeah. I thought the casting was really great, too. Like, from the three that I saw, I'm not a huge fan of Anna Paquin, but I still thought she did a good job. Um, And I thought uh, Brian Cranston was really great in the episode he was in. I thought some of the dialogue was a bit stifled. I'd be interested to know, like, how much dialogue came directly from these short stories and how much was, like... none. Almost no short None of the dialogue comes from the short stories. Okay. So that's someone else's fault. We don't have to blame Mr. Dick. Um, but yeah, I thought some of the dialogue was a little bit rough, but I thought the performances from the actors was good. And I say that as someone who like has zero knowledge of what is good and bad acting other than what I see. But They had I, a lot I of good it. actors like throughout the, all the episodes I saw. Even if they What's, weren't like really top-line actors or were super famous ones, like they were quality actors that I've liked elsewhere. Um and yeah, I think that in general that was one of his strengths across the various shows. Good acting, even even good like good actors trying to do the most with sometimes subpar material was, I think maybe one of the things that was a problem. Yeah, I think one of the other things when we talk about the writing is um, that like unlike Black Mirror, which is not entirely but almost entirely written by one person, um, all of these episodes were written by different people. And I think that, again, had some problems where you got the sense, like, for example, I think Real Life, which is written by Ron Moore, who's, like, famous for 
making battle, creating battle, the new version of Battlestar Galactica, was a writer on a number of Star Trek shows and, and wrote some of the best Star Trek episodes of all time. Um, you get the sense that like this was his like he was a, kind of phoning it in. He, he like he did not like put like the full force of like his intelligence and talent into the script. I I would argue. Well, he's um, got to focus but, on going back to Celtic times and the, whatever. Right. He's got that going. He's on. got like that Outlander show. Yeah. He's also got a show like a space show for Apple. Like he's a busy guy. So yeah. like you, I can imagine that he didn't have as much time to work on this as maybe he he could have had. He probably um, had his like ghost run word do this or whatever. <laughs> like whoever he pays. I mean, I think the script for real life could have been written by like a talented TV writer. Probably could have sat down and written that script in one day. Like I don't <laughs> does not seem like a lot of imagination or thought went into it. This is funny because this um, is the one where I didn't watch this because I thought you were referencing the Hoodmaker, which is the the first one in like the. Uh, the broadcast oh, yeah. airing sequence. And I didn't like the Hoodmaker at all. And I even commented to you offline. I was like, oh, you're right. This is bad. But we were talking about a totally different episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just wait. So, Just so yeah, wait. What, I, what I'd said to Jordan and Daryl, because I, I started this before them, was the first episode is bad. The rest of it is pretty good. Although there's definitely still some variation in quality. Um, and uh, it sounds like Daryl was uh, a little less impressed than I was. I'm, I'm wondering, though, if I was like, swayed by your saying that to begin with but I still think not because I feel like that one stood out even among all the other ones that I watched is like I just was like could not get into it but I felt pretty good about most of the rest of the shows that I actually saw the 3.5 I'm interested to see because like I feel like the formula for these is like you know uh predictable like you you find the problem pretty early on in the episode and then the kind of climax is very predictable and then there's like some weird swing at the end that like you kind of weren't maybe expecting or hoping against is that like a thing that's a structure of the stories too because i kind of feel like you could say that about at least other creative works i've seen that are based on philip k dick source material like the so, three episodes I saw were definitely like that, and I'm interested if all of them are. And like Daryl said, if you mean like, that they that feel comes like from his story until the end, like yeah, like, and I don't even think that the end is quite as shocking. It's not like um, a dramatic Shyamalan type twist. It's like, it's like a, yeah, like what's the problem going to be? Oh, I figured out the problem because like all of it's based on context, right? They land you in like a new world, so you're like, okay, contextually, I figured out the problem. Now I've figured out what is going on and what this climax is going to be. We get to it, and then you're like, oh, here's a little weird uh, curve at the end that, like, either it's not like even unpredictable. It's just like, oh, let's take it a step beyond what you had expected it to be. Um, yeah. Is that, is that like uh, overly like simplistic, or is that representative of kind of like how Dick works, Anthony? Um, I think there's something to that. I mean, in that definitely he's a writer who's like very interested in, um, in twists and there's a lot of stuff, um, where he like, like he famously was like inspired by this, uh, other science fiction writer, A.E. Van Vogt, um, who's Canadian by the way, um, who, who Van Vogt's rule was like every, t- at every 800 words, you add another twist because like that's when people get bored. Um, and so sometimes his stories, I think, tend to be a little bit crazier than than the show is. Um, but I think one thing what they wanted to keep was that. Um, so I think probably the more predictable or traditional parts, I think, come more from 
Hollywood trying to smooth out kind of the edges. Mm. And then the fact that like there's still this sort of weirdness in it is more true to the source material. But it's also the case that, I mean, these are stories, again, these are stories from the 50s. Yeah. And so something that would have seemed crazy in the 50s, um, like, like for example, I think like the plot of Human Is, I think, I suspect if you read it in the 50s, it would have been a lot more surprising than, whereas like you, you watch oh, the now episode now. Oh, now it seems like a trope because we have the benefit of 50 years or 60 years. between. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that's an element too. Because everyone knows how dick works at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it had to happen at some point on the show. Uh, all right. We got the first one out of the way. <laughs> that's all I'll the first say. one out of the way. <laughs> the first one, yeah. Um, okay, do you want to, like, I feel like maybe a place to go from here. Well, let's sum up, I guess. Let's give, like, a general impression based on what we've seen thus far, but whether it's worth people's times, and then we can move into a spoiler discussion, and then we can just probably, probably focus on Auto facts, since we've already all seen it, and yeah. kind of make it representative. Does that or work? Actually, let's yeah, maybe what do we think is so, worth people's time, and, and what's the best of the episodes we've seen so far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one to sum up the no spoilers part. So my general impressions are that like I'm not obsessed with it by any stroke, but I will probably finish it anyway. Um, and I think like post Black Mirror season four, it's like a nice. <laughs> It's a nice kind of thing to to satiate, I guess, or sate the that being over Black mm. Mirror. It's not. It's it's not comparable, even like other than the genre. I don't think, you think they're it's very like different. Scratch the same itch for you in terms of like what you want to see. I mean, if you're like if you if you've just finished Black Mirror season four and you're like, oh man, I'm out of episodes. I wish there was more of that. Yeah, like this is a really good thing to kind of have in your back pocket. And I did I did enjoy I liked one of the episodes, like I actually really liked it. One of the episodes was like, "Meh, that was that was good." Well, which one? You can say which episode you really liked. So Autofac I really liked. Mm. Um I thought Human Is was like pretty good, and to be fair <laughs> to that episode, I had to stop and start a few times because I wanted to finish it by the time we recorded, and I was also working because right. it's Thursday. Jordan, you're not supposed to... The, the one rule is we're not supposed to admit that we're watching this during work hours <laughs> and the editors get mad. <laughs> That's I don't the think only they're listening, rule. dude. They do. Um, I think they stopped listening at this point. I think <laughs> we admitted it on the first episode and we got yelled at. I don't think they're listening. Also, I'm new. I don't know the rules. Why'd you even tell me that? Well, now you know. I'm mad at you now. I felt. Now um, you know. And I didn't like real life. I I struggled with real life. I I didn't think that. I thought it was like hella predictable the whole time, and just wasn't very interesting. But I will watch the rest of the episodes. So those are my general impressions. All right. So worthwhile, basically. You think worth people's time? Yeah. Uh, Anthony. Um, I would say my favorite, um, my favorite was probably Crazy Diamond, um, which is an episode starring uh, Steve Buscemi and um, the woman, the actress who played like the head of the park in Westworld. Hmm. Um, and it's written by the person who does a lot of writing with Terry Gilliam. And it has a very sort of Gilliam feel. It's like really crazy and really weird, uh, but, but really fun. And, and it's all sort of this like mashup between like science fiction and like, and like film noir um, I think the other one that I really liked was Kill All Others, which is, uh, starring, uh, or was written and directed by Dee Reese, who's the person who made 
Mudbound, uh, the, the Netflix movie that we talked about oh, right, yeah. last fall. And that is a very strange, it's a very, it has this political point, as, as maybe is not surprising, that it, it makes very bluntly, but it's a really weird episode because no one in that episode acts like a normal person. They all act really str- like weirdly and in a way that you can't quite put your finger on. So like the way that like, like somebody else Mamet described it to me play? was like, what? Like a David Mamet movie or play? I don't know. I mean, they just like, they act, yeah, or like, it's also kind of Gilliam-esque, uh. but like watching that episode, like the character is kind of going crazy in the course of the episode and you feel like you're going crazy <laughs> along with him. And so it really got under, under my skin, even though I don't think it quite works. Um, that one, the premise for me seemed really interesting. Whole, it's not one I watched, but I saw that that yeah. stood out, the premise for it. Yeah. I would say the series as a whole, um, I think definitely is really uneven. Um, I also get the sense that like, you know, that they, the, the budget wasn't like bargain basement, but it wasn't like great. And, and some directors I think were better at using that, that relatively, a, a relatively limited budget than others were. Yeah. Um, but I think just, and, and I think like the average quality and thoughtfulness, I think is maybe not as quite as the level of, of Black Mirror, but like I enjoyed it probably as much or more than Black Mirror because it had that variety and because a handful of the episodes I thought were, were, were good enough that they could stand alongside like the best of Black Mirror. Yeah, I think uh, I I'd agree, definitely agree with the unevenness. Like it just was not as consistent as Black Mirror was. As much as people like to say like, oh, this episode of Black Mirror was bad, this episode was good. It's like, yeah, but there's a sameness. Like they're all within a certain range and this range more um, from the weakest episodes to the strongest episodes. But I also agree that it was like, the variety was a real asset too. Like it was more interesting uh, as a whole. Like the fact that it was more of a mixed bag made me more interested in watching the next one uh, than than I have been with Black Mirror lately, I guess. And I there are yeah some of the ones that stood out as strong were really strong. I again I didn't even finish the Commuter. I'm like halfway through, but. That one's super interesting so far, and the acting might have to do with it, and also the fact that it's like more modest in terms. It's like not like oh, the world on a spaceship and whatever's happening. It's like oh, this is just kind of the world, but slightly removed or slightly different, or there's something a little bit odd or off. Um, and it's it's good, but and also Autofac I thought was really really good, and that's a lot of that is that Janelle Monet was a great casting choice and like does a really good job with the role. Um, but so do, so do the other actors in it and, and the parts that I didn't, we can talk more when we get into the spoilers, but the parts that I like thought were dumb about it as I was watching it ended up being redeemed by the end. So, uh, um, I like it, uh, a lot, but then other ones like the hood maker again, I was like, just, Oh yeah. Okay. I, this is whatever. It's not that super interesting to me. The premise is kind of like, also it was like, that one was like not snuff level, but it was, it was a lot of it was just plain unpleasant. And I thought, oh, I wish I wasn't watching this because I find it unpleasant. Um, and then The Impossible Planet is the other one I watched. And I felt like it was also just okay. Uh, better, I think, than The Hoodmaker, but still just okay. So, yeah, but I, I, I don't feel like, I feel like on balance, it's worth the time and it's kind of like the the parts that are bad about it make the ones that are good 
seem that much better. So as a whole, I think it's it's worth watching. That's my recommendation. Uh, all right, spoilers. You want to do spoilers for the one episode that we all saw? <laughs> all right, spoilers for Autofac. Yeah. Autofac. So I can recap. Good. So Autofac uh, starts with um, actually what I thought was like one of the more powerful scenes, which was uh, this woman driving and her radio stops working and she sees like a, a warhead, like a ballistic missile flying over and it hits this uh, city and the blast goes off, which I think is like, I don't know about you guys, but like it's one of my deepest fears, honestly, is like, you know, a bomb going off like a big one. Um, so it starts like that. And then this woman, uh, you, you like flash forward and she's like in, you know, in the wasteland of this like nuclear kind of apocalypse they're fighting this drone, and you find out that there's this factory that just, like, keeps producing things, um, dropping off boxes. It looks very much like an Amazon, like what you'd think of an Amazon delivery drone. They're trying to shoot down the, the drone, um, and they, they, you find out that this community of people does not want this factory working anymore because it's run by AI, and it's chewing up all the resources and polluting the air and so on and so forth. So they file a complaint with like a service representative and say, hey, we don't want uh, you guys to be creating anymore. Just like, please shut down the autofac. Like, we don't want this stuff and you're ruining our resources. And it's like Janelle Monet plays this like android type person. Um, they, ca- they capture her when she says, no, we're not going to stop doing that. And they try to get in the factory uh, to to shut it down and like blow it up and Janelle Monet leads them there, but it was all a trick and they end up dying. But you find out at the very end that, uh, they were cyborgs all along and the auto had created them to have consumers. And because all the pe- people were dead. All the people were dead from this like nuclear war. So they created androids that could be their consumers. And then, you know, she brings in the the main woman who we've seen from the very beginning brings in this <clears throat> uh, logic bomb because she knew all along that she was an android. She had discovered it herself because she had dreamed that she was part of, like, saw that nuclear war 20 years ago, and it just doesn't even make sense for her to have been and that young 20 years ago. she also found a copy ago. of Wired Magazine with herself in it. Yeah, yeah, and she found a copy of Wired magazine with herself in it, and it turns out she was actually the creator of the Autofac, which is why she was the smartest one and was able to put a virus in into the the factory and end it. And it ends on a happy note, even though, like, I liked what she said at the end, where she was like, "We are humanity's like children, like we're their second chance," because like there's something real in here, which is both scary. But it was like uplifting at the end because kind of needed that by that point in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Although, like, I think you also wonder, you're like, well, can you reproduce? Are you right. just going to be immortal? Like, what's Yeah, what's that's what I happen? was wondering, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're having sex. You take away like, your mechanism. Sex in the show. Yeah. Yeah, they're having sex, but all their biological stuff is like a programming layer on top of, right? Like, it's like simulated. That was part of it. That she, like, cut her head open and was looking at her, like, skull tissue or something right. disgusting 
Yeah, and there's then, like they called it filters, I think, like yeah, layers yeah. of um, like humanness, and then you have to dig deep for the robot, I guess. Yeah. But I, one thing also that like we didn't bring up, but like there was sex in all three episodes I watched, which like I'm not complaining or anything, but like is that I think there was also only sex a Philip in the K. One. Dick thing. No, no, there's not. I mean, he's like. You know, uh, I mean, there's sex in his stories, but they te- it tends to happen very quickly. And like, I felt like this was more like, hey, like, we can get away with like showing like butts and boobs and, boobs and stuff. And stuff. And so we can be it. risque. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay, got it. And I will say, mostly, it felt organic. The fact that the sex happened felt organic to, to most of the stories. Hmm. Uh, it's just sometimes then you're like, oh, I don't think I needed that shot of Brian Cranston's butt. Or Except butt for probably. maybe the one in real life. To me, like that sex scene was gratuitous, I felt like. Yeah, that's true. But I'm also, like, harder, I feel like, on lesbian sex scenes. Well, and I think they thought they could get away with it because they were saying, isn't this sex just, like, a male fantasy? Which, I mean, it's, like... Also, there's this, like, yeah, weird idea towards, like, lesbianism as if, like, it only can exist as, like, a... Anyway, we can get into that more, but, yeah. It, it, yeah, real please life bring is a that up. Problems. You want me to talk for the next 45 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. No, it's okay. Uh, yeah, so I, I liked Autofac, and that's my recap. And Janelle Monet was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, she was the best thing about the episode, I thought. She was. I, she did such a good job of, like, it was surreal. Maybe it was, like, part of the artificial, but, like, the way that she did the, like, very careful, precise movements, which were, like, like, in general, she was pretty human, but then that she was also clearly not, and that was, like, part of their point, too, was, like, you might think that she's human. And I, I, initially when we thought everybody else is human, it was more effective, I thought. like, But she's very much not. And like any impressions that you have of her humanity are mistaken, uh, despite her like appearances to the contrary externally um, and her programming to like make her seem like that. Because that resonated with me like with like like actual current development of artificial artificial intelligence, right? It's like, oh, we see these are the outcomes we want and, you know, we're going to develop these neural nets to do it. But the ways they go about doing it are not necessarily at all in keeping with how we would expect or predict based on like human models, right? And I felt like that was part of the story. But then they revealed like, oh, but all these, none of them are human. So it kind of changed that message for me a bit, but... I don't know how. Well, like she exactly. said herself, like she's not imitating a human. Yeah. Like she's thinking. You know what I mean? Like um, I, one other thing, though, about the whole like over the top bit, like her outfit, like Janelle Monet, uh, the the clothes or whatever that they put her in as like an Android model. Like I know it's in the future and shit, but like that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about with over the top. Like. Why, if they want to build a customer service representative that is an Android, but is meant to make like regular humans feel comfortable, like why would you give her like a wing head or whatever the hell that thing was like that weird ass helmet? You know what I mean? Like, wouldn't you put her in regular clothes that would make people feel comfortable? It's just like (laughs) one step beyond where you're like, oh, this is cheesy, you know? Yeah. It felt like basically um, a production designer being like, what would look cool as opposed yeah. to like, what would it actually look like? Well, it had that thing where like a, the other, like it was functional in the other thing, kind of the other weird robot, the security butt thing. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Which was like even weirder. Like what is the bird noise that accompanies you? 
Like, why does it sound like a flock of birds? Yeah, there was some weird stuff with that. But I thought maybe that could explain the sort of feathered look. Like, it's like, oh, this, the human face component of this is like, whatever, like our holdover. And then this other thing is some more functional covering that, that our other robots also share. I just think like you can't really get away with like a bizarre choice like that unless it's like properly explained, you know, and like why waste time on the whole thing? Yeah. The whole thing feels like the fifth element or something like that. Well, I I felt like a lot of the aesthetics in this was problematic because the other part that I I was like, why are these humans look like, like what, what's, why does she have like dread dreads or whatever? And I guess maybe it's like, Oh, they're just, they're just dirty. But the, I don't know. I didn't like the costume. But then they had one. like a really nice shower. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I don't yeah. Know. It, it was, it was, yeah. It was, there right. was a, a couple like conflicts there where you I felt like, like that I was don't. like a exaggerated like, look, they're like they want to be they don't they're anti consumers so they have this hippie vibe too, right? Like it's like that's yeah. Not I necessary. think that's what it was. I think that's what it was meant to be though. That they're like very granola and they like want to wear old clothes and like sew them up instead of buying new ones and. Yeah. Like, why get shampoo if you can just, like, rinse off, like, the dreadlocks? I think that was meant to be the statement. I, I had way more problems with, like, the what the robots were wearing than with... I thought the robots looked cool, though. They were, like, ready to kill stuff. It just, like, logically didn't make sense. If this AI is so friggin' smart... Yeah, if like, it wanted them to be 100% comfortable, it wouldn't it wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, why would you wear a bird helmet, like, on a spaceship? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we just wanted you to feel like you're working with a human. Also, bird helmet. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted you to feel like you're working with a human, which is why I have a special feathered helmet on. Don't you but guys have these? It looked cool, though. It did look cool. I, I agree with that. I think this is just, one where Anthony's point about, like, some of them knowing what to do with the budgets available. Like, even though some of the stuff was like, oh, why'd you do that? I never thought it looked, like, cheesy or dumb or bad. I thought Janelle Monet's helmet was cheesy. Oh, really? Like, I never, uh, yeah, like, it was okay, like, and I thought, for, like, in the other episode, what's the, the human is episode? Mm-hmm. Like, I thought yeah. that was all, I, I thought that made sense being more over the top, because it's, like, supposed to be, like, 500 years in the future or something, but, like, the weird designs on their, like, military outfits right. and stuff, like, work. it just, yeah, like, wh- why? Why would you have, like, a... And, and again, it's like not explained. Like if you saw that same symbol that's on their, like the the military outfits with the, with the like constellation looking thing on it. If you saw that everywhere, it would make more sense because you're like, ah, oh, this is the like symbol for Terra, you know. But like, it was just on like some of their outfits, and I, I, it's just like, why why make me even think about that? Just do plain fucking uniforms. I don't. It's a distraction. Yeah, I, I would say in general, I think like a lot of, and then again, I think some of the episodes do better jobs of this than others, but like that I enjoy the episodes because they have like interesting ideas, but like, I don't know that any of them I would point to as being like, oh, I think the world building really holds up no. and like it all kind of fits together. And I believe that this is like how maybe, maybe, I mean, impossible planet, except for the ending safe and sound. There, I mean, a couple, but in general, it's more like, here's a bunch of ideas. If they resonate with you, it's a good episode. If not, it's not. But like, it's not going to be like this very carefully thought out thing. Yeah, yeah. None of them were that. Yeah, I agree with those choices as ones that were kind of close. But they, uh, at least the Impossible Planet, they were lucky in that they're most of what they had to do was just like a very small, constrained soundstage, and you know, it, it was 
like make this look like a lived-in ship and whatever. Like it was that. I think that was an easier challenge, and they had a lot of models to draw from, and they did do a good job. But yeah, overall, anything with any kind of like sweeping dramatic, and the commuter was good too because it was like again just modern British times, basically. Maybe not in the end because I haven't seen it, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I will say. I mean, I think like they don't pay that much attention to the world building, but like Autofag, I think is like a. Like actually, like it seems like it's very carefully written so that everything that you see is leading up to the revelation at the end. Yeah. So like in that sense, like when you get to the twist, you're like, oh, okay. Like it's it's one of those twists that actually like works because it feels like you didn't think of it, but they were building up to it. The it whole was time. surprising, but they gave you enough that it's not a total. It's not like the typical. Um, primetime hour-long cop drama where it's like this guy did it also we didn't tell you this person existed and there was no chance you could have ever possibly put this together or whatever right right like the bad ones and do it resolved it these things that didn't make sense before but you kind of forgotten about and yeah. then you're like oh oh right you put that there intentionally okay. yeah they were there yeah yeah i think it was good that way it, it, it did it without like it, it definitely surprised me like i would that was not the ending i was expecting until they were in the room with the pods yeah, yeah, same. I was like, this is going poorly mm-hmm. and it's going to end bleakly, but that's not how it ended up. I didn't know there were cyborgs. Although, you know, <coughs> the scene where she was like cutting herself, you know, like I almost feel like, like before, you know, when she was like slicing open her head before the actual revelation, like I, did did that did that hint to any of you guys that because it felt no. so out of place for me and I was like it felt really I mean, weirdly out of place but I didn't know that that's where they're gonna go with it I was just like oh what the hell right it wasn't a hint but it more like it explained it later on like you're like oh I see why she was cutting into herself and that makes sense yeah but I had no theory but I don't think you could, you couldn't watch that and be like oh that means she's a robot yeah that's what yeah i i had no idea and it felt super out of place at first and then it like came full circle but i'm almost wondering if it like wasn't necessary oh i guess like because it it because i think like part of it like because she's such that like she's such an exceptional like like person like and so that to see her like ripping her own scalp off to like see her robotic insides is so upsetting i feel like i don't know i i think that like was like pretty effective for me although i agree that the first time you're just like what what's happening why what yeah but, like i was I like does like she it, have it emotional issues or like what is happening with this although yeah. um i really liked at the end when she was like oh i'm the only person i'm literally the only person who can do this and i remember thinking like Psh, girl like you're overconfident like you got other people there to help you and like, boy, was I wrong. She was mm-hmm. the only person who could do it. Which is m- what you're meant to feel, I think, in that moment. Like, mm-hmm. whoops. She was. It. She I was like that the, special. I like the twist at the end of Human Is, too. Like, don't tell me the twist. I'm going to read it. <laughs> this is like the most read it? for Daryl or the, watch it, whatever. Okay, you call then that. we won't talk about it. I'll just say I like the twist at the end of Human Is. Right. I didn't love Although the that, whole I feel like episode. that's a twist where you see it coming and it's just satisfying because, like, you're like, yep, that's, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you saw what I said at the, at the like, right. when we were offline. Right. Uh, I was like, this has to be the case. You know what I mean? And, mm. it, and it, ended, it ended up being that. But that was some that of the like, other oh, ones, too. 
that that they some of the other ones like that were like like the auto pack was the only one I watched where it wasn't the ending wasn't completely telegraphed quite early you thought, on. You thought the ending of the Hoodmaker was telegraphed? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. I thought that it was obvious that the he had like, you know, he was different than the other ones for some reason. Yeah, was, stop. Spoilers. That's it. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> he was, was just so elite. He yeah. knows. He knows what's up. Um and and the uh, impossible planet was like there was there was nothing it, that that one I think was kind of that way though they were just like we're on this track and we're riding it all the way into the station and I think it's kind of the opposite where they're they're trying to make you as a viewer go like oh but surely not but then they do ride it all the way to the station yeah I mean I think the thing about Impossible Planet is you think that there's going to be like an interesting explanation that too like, yeah what? you're like oh maybe they'll be and then no yeah. So, I mean, I didn't see Impossible Planet, but it sounds a little bit like the the episode Crocodile from uh, season four of Black Mirror, where you're like, no, this can't happen. Which one was uh, no. happening? Oh, no, 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 no. no, no, no. no. Well, it's like that, but like... But low, no stakes. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. much, well, much I mean, a human being's happiness is... But, but, yeah, it's, yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Screw that. <laughs> Okay, I have I a pun. Yeah, I think we're pizzling out. Experiences. Yeah. What Did about pizzling? What I said. I said Pizzle? I think we're pizzling out. Oh, I see. Well, do you get the yeah. pun? Well, we'll send a representative out to to help you with that. <laughs> <laughs> so Good job. Uh, okay, I think we can wrap it up there. But that I I think I don't know. I of the episodes I saw, that one was my favorite, and. Maybe it was like just like a Janelle Monet thing where like she put her finger on the scale. You know what I mean? <clears throat> That's a metaphor. Like it's like unfair to have somebody that good in one of these things. But I didn't see the Brian Cranston one or any other like super high celebrity or the Steve Buscemi ones yet. So who knows? But if you're only going to watch some of them, watch, watch the that one for sure. And then maybe watch the other famous ones that Anthony and Jordan liked. <laughs> Which were those ones again? Crazy Diamond. Human is. Crazy human diamond, is. human is. Yeah, I would put human is at the bottom of your list. Like Brian Cranston's fantastic in it, but like, it wasn't like an earth-shatteringly good episode. Although you know, yeah. the way I well, do it is, I start with the bad. The, um, yeah. Oh right, like, I'm glad get him out of the way. Was the yeah, I'm glad real life was the first episode because I like I didn't like it at all, but I was like, oh, I can see how this show might have promise in other areas. Yeah, I think honestly, viewing order might be one of the most uh, interesting things about this because like it's weird that Amazon and Channel F- and Four took like two different, completely different paths of like how they thought people should watch this. And I'm curious. Might be doing some testing or something. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'd like so. to know what's going on with that because I thought Black Mirror season four was like really well ordered. Yeah, and purposely like, so, like intentionally ordered. Yeah. Yes, like very strategic in the ordering, and I didn't get to watch it that way, so I had to end on like three of the saddest episodes. And looking back at the order, I was like, damn, I should I really should have watched it that way. So maybe they're doing that intentionally here, but it's hard to tell when they do it two different ways. Yeah. I didn't realize that it was not just a straight up Amazon original. I didn't realize that four was involved at all. Yeah. The thing I wonder about Channel Four is like it may be because they started airing sooner, there may just have been some episodes that weren't done yet. Um, so they that may also account for some of the differences. Hmm. 
Whereas Maybe. like Amazon presumably had all 10, to cho- I mean, obviously because they put 10 up at once. So, you know, um, I don't know who decided on the order, but like somebody made that decision and they had, you know, and, and they, 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 they had, they weren't constrained in any way. So it seems like it was intentional and putting real life first was bad in every way, except for making every other episode that came after it look better. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> uh, you might even skip real life, Daryl. That one I'm now most excited to see. So unfortunately, no. I'm well, it's not like that. bad in an interesting way. It's just sort of like, perf- like everything about it just feels very half-hearted. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, uh, uh, you like know what's going on the whole time, I feel like. And it's just all very like, one-dimensional it feels like yeah like nothing is really consequential in any way yeah that the end, you don't even and they just made him clutch his up. head the whole time and look confused yeah exactly it's just like uh, it's it's just, it sounds awful now that you put it that way but i don't know i mean watch it anyway and watch I mean, the bachelor seriously i'll have to now i'll have to Get over you, you realize you're cursing me with that. You're cursing me. Why? Because I'm a completionist. Like I gotta watch. Anthony knows this about me. I watch all the bad shows, every episode of them. He watches yeah, bad shows. And he goes, I will stop now. <laughs> Which Ari's is the sensible thing to do. But he's not like as bad as he as like some of the other bachelors who are like totally fucking clueless. He's just like annoying because of last season going from last season to like five years ago, random dude feels like so odd yeah but like once you get over that the girls are really really funny like bizarre <laughs> and they've got a really good villain it's good it's good okay i'm definitely gonna i'm yeah i'll go into it i haven't had any spoilers or anything on it either not that it matters with a shit like that there's only three episodes out right now so yeah yeah that's that's actually perfect timing because i'm kind of like i don't know i've exhausted a lot of my regular go-to options 90 day fiance. Six solid hours. Yeah. All my garbage TV. (laughs) This is exactly what people who tuned in listen, like hoping to hear about Philip K. Dick's Electric (laughs) Dreams. Like, we're ending on a high note. Like, watch The Bachelor. Like, screw that trash. On (laughs) ABC. Screw that trash that Anthony teaches (laughs) courses on. Anthony, are you still there? <laughs> I'm still here. I I have nothing to say about the bachelor. There's nothing but, to um, contribute. Oh boy. All right. Um, cool. Well, what anything that we have on the horizon for next week? I haven't looked. There's something. Um, I think we're kind of hitting a dry spot because I was I was making trying to make the calendar earlier and like I feel like people were putting out a lot of stuff around the holidays and right after and I think we're um, there's like some stuff coming up. I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, uh, Altered Carbon. Altered Carbon is February second. Maybe we can get some screeners yeah. for that. Yeah. Can we revisit something old? Did you guys you do an Ozark? Ozark? Don't you? Yeah, I want an Ozark. I could do. Uh, I haven't that. seen it, so I could do that. Yeah, I'm right, like. Let's do that. I think it's fantastic. So let's do that next week. Okay. And I really, I, yeah, I don't think there's any big releases. So let's let's do Ozark. Okay. Cool. And it will we'll we'll try to get. Netflix to cough up a altered carbon preview, so we can at least do maybe a little preview hit before it comes yeah. out. But but there's still know. a couple weeks before that it comes out. Yeah, so. it's Feb- February second. So. so Anthony really better get on that calendar, put some calls in. Yeah, get <laughs> get on them phones. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how you get those screeners. Angry phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for having me, guys. 
Thanks for being here, Jordan. Hopefully, it's a more regular thing. Keep coming back. Yeah, please. I'm we have down. more fun. I like TV. All right, and thanks, listeners, and please uh, review and rate us. That is very helpful. And then subscribe in your podcast app of choice, wherever that may be. We're on Spotify now. I think that's a couple weeks old, three weeks old, or something now. But like, it's cool. Spotify, they have podcasts too. Um, <laughs> And leave us feedback. Email us and tell us you don't want to hear about The Bachelor or you do want to hear about The Bachelor. And uh, we will comply or not comply. (laughs) No promises. (laughs) All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.